From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, you know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. That's a lot of bees. Yeah. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. That's important. You want an affordable price. Yeah, I do want one. Yeah, if it's too much, well, that's just not going to happen. No. <laughs> State Farm's on it. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. I'm lowering my voice. Mm, Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Sona, how's your sock drawer looking? It's messy. There's a lot of single socks. Yep. I think it's time for a little spring cleaning. Oh. <laughs> Check out Bombas. Once you try a pair, you'll never look at socks the same way again. I should know. I like my Bombas. Their spring collection has new garden party socks that bring the party to your feet. My feet have never been to a party. <laughs> They've so got sad. stripes and florals and new vintagey colored rib socks. You know, when I'm wearing Bombas, I feel like my feet are being caressed. Oh, okay. And cared for in a way they never have been in my life. Hmm. Get comfy this spring and give back with Bombas. Head over to bombas.com slash Conan and use code Conan for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash Conan and use code Conan at checkout. Hi, my name is Daniel Sloss. And I feel privileged about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that you, A, feel privileged, but more the way you say Conan is fantastic. Conan. It was fantastic. It had a little Sean Connery in there. I mean, literally, <laughs> a tiny Sean Connery came out of your mouth and waved at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he was the one that made sure I just got the lisp correctly. <laughs> when you cough, when, say you have a, a chest cold, do thousands of small Sean Conneries come spilling out of your mouth? <laughs> Yeah, that's what we thought COVID was originally in Scotland. We just thought. <laughs> Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello there and welcome. To a humble little podcast known as Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Very happy to be joined uh, by Sonam of Sessian, my trusty assistant. Hi, Conan. Nice to have you uh, back and mm -hmm. twins still doing well. Yep. They're still, they're still there. <laughs> I hope you, I wish you had a higher bar for your children than they're still there. Are they thriving? They're thriving. Good. They are thriving. They're Good. really great kids. They are so beautiful They're too. They're sweet such babies. they are such good looking boys. They are very cute. They're gonna be heartbreakers. Oh. Well, I don't want them to break hearts. Well, they're going to. They're going to break people's hearts, shatter. <laughs> they're gonna shatter lives. <laughs> okay. They're gonna ruin so many people's lives <laughs> with their good looks and their animal magnetism. <laughs> so anyway, that's your legacy. Misery. <laughs> um you know, it is very complicated here at Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend because you just came back. I did. You just came back. You've been out for quite a while now, over three months. And Matt Gorley, our trusty, uh, you know, executive producer. What, what's, what is his title again? He's Engineer? A, he's a producer. He's a producer. But producer. what do you, do you say? Executive producer? What do you say? 
He's not an executive producer. He isn't. God damn it. No. And he never will be as, as long as I'm, you know. <laughs> How do you not know what he does? I'm sorry. And I've said this before. Oh, come on. But a pharaoh. Don't do the pharaoh thing. A pharaoh doesn't know where Ugh. each stone goes in the pyramid or who placed the stone there. Okay. A pharaoh just occasionally checks out the pyramid and is either pleased or displeased. Yeah. So uh, anyway, Matt Gurley, producer, wonderful producer, is out uh, because he and his lovely wife. Yes, Amanda. Amanda uh, had a baby. A baby girl. A baby girl. Uh, we will not reveal the name. I'm pretty sure it's Gertruden. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gertruden Gorley. Uh, it's not, but I really wish it was Gertrude and Did Gourley. you send her a tweed onesie? I know. I sent, <laughs> I, I sent over an I Like Ike tweed diaper. The Just most uncomfortable one. diaper ever made. Yeah. It says I Like Ike across the butt. A vintage um, diaper. It's a vintage diaper. Uh, it's got an asbestos lining. It was made in 1951 and I got it uh, in an antique shop. And I got her a little loot. Uh, with lots of sharp, spiky parts. So we're really happy for Matt Gorley. Yes, very But happy. this also means that, man, we're like a championship team that keeps having star players drop out, you know, except instead of a groin pull, it's creating life. Yeah. And so I do not fear because we have someone filling in for Matt Gorley, who I'm told is the best in the business. Oh, okay. And I'm just oh, saying God. that to piss off Matt Gorley and I, his name. Yeah. His name is Brett Morris. Here I am. Brett, how are you? I'm great. Thanks for having would you, me. Would you call yourself the best in the business? Um, n no, I would never call myself that. That <laughs> that feels insane to call okay. myself. Okay, because, because that would feel wrong, but deep down I can see your thought balloon. You think I'm right on. Mm. You think you can eat Matt Gorley's lunch. You're so much better at producing than him, don't yeah, you? Yeah, fuck Matt Gorley. Yeah, fucking Gorley. <laughs> mm. Right? I, I do kind of like this. Is it true that, that when you screw up in the studio, you say, ah, pulled a gorly? <laughs> Is that what people say in the business? Yeah, I, I, I like any time I hear of Matt Gorley making any mistake of any kind, because he just seems, he's such a graceful human being, and he's yes. handsome. And, and, and I'm so yeah. ungracious. Mm -hmm. I think that's what works, is that when Matt makes a mistake or an error of some kind or slightly misspeaks, my mm -hmm. reaction to it is so savage and so wrong that the contrast, I think, is just fascinating to people. I think so, too. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that there's a part of you that's, like, a little jealous of Matt because he can do so much stuff? Like, edit podcasts and build tables and stuff, and you're just angry. Yeah, he can hand whittle a canoe. Yes. <laughs> he can do a lot of things. I can make ramen. <laughs> If it's the kind that you drop in the boiling thing that has an envelope, all those little pouches uh -huh. with chicken stock. Oh, yeah, with the powder. Yes. I make that really well. Guess what? Get it boiling, leave it for three minutes, turn off the heat, then add the packet and stir. Ooh. Then you can add some pepper. That's what I can do. I don't see Matt Gorley doing that. Do you? No, I have a feeling he's, he's making three-course meals. Yes, every he, night. He's also you know. uh, baking. He's he's got a kiln and he's making the yeah. bowl that the soup will go in. <laughs> and once he's done using that bowl, he smashes it. <laughs> Brett, tell me a little bit about yourself so I can find a weakness and then I can attack you. 
<laughs> oh, oh God. no. Okay. Well, where are you from? You know, what's your what's your story, Brad? Yeah, I'm originally from the Bay Area, mm-hmm. like Silicon Valley area. Mm-hmm. I'm a musician. Mm-hmm. Been in various bands, and currently in a band. What's uh, your instrument? Guitar mainly. Yeah, that's something we can bond over. What's the name of your band? Man, 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 man. The name of my band. Yeah. M a n m a n. M-A-N-M-A-N, yes. So at this time when men are being called into account for centuries of misbehavior- <laughs> We're doubling you, down. You doubled down on man. <laughs> that was your decision. Yeah, I mean, you'll have to talk to the front man about that. Yeah, oh. Well, there's a third man. Well, I never assume that the person leading the band is a man. <laughs> when you said you're going to have to talk to the, I just thought, well, who is she? But of course, in man-man, <laughs> it's a man because that's how you guys roll. Brett, I think you're in really deep water. I really do. <laughs> yeah. I think you should change the name of your band uh, immediately to Women Are the Future. Um, and, or you could, and your first album should be Sorry About That Last Name. Yes. <laughs> think seriously about what I'm telling you. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. Well, I want to check you guys well, out sometime. Maybe I could rock yeah. with you, huh? Have I got the chops to rock oh, with yeah. you guys? Anytime. We recorded our album right here where I'm sitting. So, uh, you know, come over, we'll jam. Hmm. Do, do you take lead ever? Do you like to solo? I play a very choppy lead, a very uh, crude lead, but it's got a lot of heart in it. Okay. It's got a, what did you say, Sona? What did I say? When I grab a lead guitar solo, it's, I wouldn't say it's, there's a lot of finesse there. I disagree. I think you're hard on yourself than you should be. I think you're a great guitarist. But yeah, you're not Slash. Oh my God. No, I can't afford that hat. That's an incredible <laughs> you think, hat. You think the hat is the only thing that differentiates you? You know what's so between... fascinating? It's I've seen him play without the hat. Yeah. He's terrible. <laughs> he's awful. When he puts the hat on, suddenly he's Slash. Yeah. One of the worst sounds I ever heard was coming out of this rehearsal space once. Awful. Just clunky, awful, crude. And I walked in and it was Slash, <laughs> Saul Hudson, yeah. without his hat. Right. And it was like a kid that picked up a guitar and had peanut butter on his fingers. Under the uh, brim of his hat, he's got the tabs of all the songs. He's got the tablature. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly how to play the chords. No, it's all about the hat with him. I love him so much. Okay. Yeah. He's my first crush. That's true. That's right. And you got to meet him through who? How'd you meet him? Don't do that. Now, how'd you meet Slash? I'm curious. Ugh. Through you. Oh. oh, yeah. Okay, whatever. Uh. All roads lead to Gunnan. Don't uh, do that uh, song. Uh, I changed your life. I changed your what life. an awful song. <laughs> I'm the reason you met your husband and you've got uh. your family. You owe me everything. Wow. I said, everything, everything. Owe me everything. Oh. I said, boom, 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 boom. Um, what an awful song that was. Brett, yep. did you like that song I just sang? I'm rethinking the uh, invitation to join with us at this point. <laughs> run, Brett, run as fast as you can. Run away. I'm sorry. Well, do you play a lot of live gigs? Uh, well, not these days. Um, oh, right. I forgot about COVID. Yeah. I live in kind too. of a, Brett, I don't know if it's clear to you, but I live in kind of a bubble. I literally had a giant bubble built around my home. A lot of celebrities are doing this. Yeah. So I've not been aware of COVID for two years. So the bubble yeah. had nothing to do with COVID. Oh, I built it long before COVID. <laughs> okay. I just didn't like humans and people. It's the Hollywood elite Yeah, bubble. and I heard that this is something that uh, people did. I've hired thousands of people to recreate normal life for me inside <laughs> the bubble. Well, I want to check you guys out sometime. I want to see you play. Oh my and, God, I'd be honored. Yeah. That'd be amazing. Well, it's not going to happen. You know oh, that. okay. You know that, right? 
This is, I say things to sound like a <laughs> amiable chap on the air, but it just, it can't happen. You understand that? I'm such a- I do get that. Usually you don't take back the formality instantly right after yeah, you say it. It's occurring to me now that I'm doing this while we're recording. <laughs> I know. But you know, let's let it all hang out there. I will never see you play. So aren't I way too busy? My schedule's just jammed. Uh, if that's what you want me to say, then that's what I will say. I've never had more free time in my life. <laughs> <I know>. uh, <laughs> he has nothing going on. No, I definitely, he I definitely will, Brett. I definitely want to. I definitely want to check you out. Okay. So it'll be fun. And I mean, I'm going to check you out. Um, what? What'd you say? You huh? said. Sona, that's okay. Okay. Sona, it's okay. okay. Let it go. Yeah. Well, anyway, welcome aboard, Brett. Thank you so much. It's uh, big shoes to fill. It's nice to have you here. And um, I think the rumors are true. I think you're much better than Gourley. Already, wow. I hope that gets out there. Because you heard it from Brett. He said he's better than Gourley. <laughs> We're going to start producer beef. So that's what I definitely want to do. It's going to be like East Side, West Side. <laughs> All right, we have a uh, terrific show today. My guest is a hilarious comedian who made his U.S. television debut performing stand-up comedy on my show in 2013, and he was brilliant, always has been. His new book, Everyone You Hate Is Going to Die, such a sweet message, is available now, and he's currently touring his new show, Hubris. Uh, Tickets and dates can be found at danielsloss.com. Now, that probably gave it away. I am thrilled He's here with us today. Daniel Sloss, welcome. I am uh, very, very happy to have you on the podcast. I think you, we started having you on our show, I think in, I want to say 2013, somewhere around there. Yes, and I've never, because of the way the show is run so very officially, and so, uh, you know, you, you get there, everyone's phenomenal at their uh, job, including yourself. Um, well, thank you for putting me in that category. <laughs> well, I've, I've seen the show and how it's run. I know you're not doing the heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> Of course not. Of course not. I am the man that walks around the structure and says, good job, everyone. Yeah, Nicely yeah, done. You... A little little more paint on that steeple. You know, I'm looking at the cathedral and occasionally making suggestions. And then yeah. I'm off to the bar. Yeah. De- designation but, is, is, is your true skill. Yeah. But I mean, I've never truly got to uh, thank you because every single time I've done the show, you've had me on, I've done stand up, you come, you say hello at the end, and then I'm sort of whisked away to be congratulated by all the sort of people. But man, I would not have the career I have today if it were not for you and for Conoco. Um, and every time we've been on the show, I've never had the time to just sort of sit down and thank you for taking a chance on me when like nobody else in the States would. Well, Daniel, that is the reason I had you on the podcast. I just, <laughs> I wanted my proper thanks Aww. because you are a massive, very influential uh, comedian now with a brilliant career. And um, I gave you uh, your start. That's all I wanted to hear. I think we're out of time. <laughs> What a time, Daniel. Well, no I've, I finally got closure after so many appearances. <laughs> like, finally, I'm like, I said it. It's fine. I can die. I want to say, in fairness, I often said to you after your appearances, that was brilliant. Is there anything you'd like to say to me? And you always said, gotta go. <laughs> got things to do. And then I would see you hours later hanging around the studio with fucking nothing to do. <laughs> I was just, I was basking in the ambiance of the relaxed atmosphere you uh-huh. helped create. Yes, yes, yes. No, I'm. you know, you're still so young 
And you started on my show almost 10 years ago. I believe, I think you were, you were, must have been 11 years old when you started on my show. You were such a young Bonnie lad, I'll say. Yeah, 23. And I remember it so well because I couldn't believe I was coming over. Like like J.P. Buck had come out to the- And let me, let me do a preface because no one listening knows who J.P. Buck is. J.P. Buck is a man who dresses like the uh, professor on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> um, chinos and a button-up shirt. Uh, claims to know a lot and claims to love comedy. We're not sure. <laughs> I suspect he's a very good landscape architect. But uh, anyway, no, uh, he is, J.P. Buck needs a shout out because he has for years and years and years been finding people like Daniel Sloss. And this sounds like it's an easy thing to do. It is not an easy thing to do. He found uh, Daniel Sloss and said, I just found this basically a fetus uh, in Scotland <laughs> who's very funny and we should have him on. And he would work with you on your sets. And I trust JP greatly because he has, has an unerring eye and ear for great uh, stand-up comedians. So yes, just mutual shout out to JP Buck. I'm, I'm as grateful to JP as you are, Daniel. Yeah, I, I he came to see my show. He asked if I wanted to come on. He went through my uh, set with me. I went to the comedy work in Denver a couple of times to like run the set through to make sure that it made sense to the American audience because it was my first time properly doing it. And then, like, I remember being on the flight to LA, and I don't know if you get this. Uh, but just like this fear that everything's going to be taken away from you. Like, I feel so lucky to have gotten so far in my career. Like, I always feel like uh, everything's a bonus and things might not happen. And I remember being on the flight and going, something's going to happen and I'm not going to get on the show. Like, somebody's going to overrun or there's going to be technical difficulties and then I, w I won't get on it. And then they'll just be like, okay, we made a mistake as well and we can't have you back on it any other point. <laughs> and I just remember, and, and I'm so excited to be getting over it. And then we get, we, get to, we get to Warner Brothers Studios and Nelson Mandela dies. And I remember just oh being God. the most selfish person in the entire world and sitting backstage at Conan going, F well, I'm not going to be on the show then, am I? Because fucking Nelson Mandela died. <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. <laughs> on my big day? <laughs> on my They're going to talk about this for an hour. Yeah. You know, that was the worldwide reaction uh, to <laughs> Nelson Mandela's death was, will Daniel Sloss get screwed? <laughs> I know. No, I mean, first of all, I love how honest you're being because we are all, I mean, especially comedians, but we are all that solipsistic. We are all that self-involved. We are all, it is, a, <laughs> if I had a particularly good bit one night that I knew that we, we shot a remote and we've already screened it for an audience and it kills and this is gonna be on tonight and we work so hard on it. And they announced that night that a meteor is headed to earth. We all have 11 hours to live. My first thought would have been, what about that piece? <laughs> That piece was going to air tonight. That thing was great. It can was we bring we put, it forward? Yeah. Can we show it? A, can we show it quickly? Oh no! Then everyone who sees it's going to die right afterwards. That's no good. Well, um, well, how, how did they just do the global announcement for the meteor? Can we get my sketch on that channel? Yes. Can we make sure it's the last Who's thing everyone sees. Who's broadcasting about the meteor? How do we get a slot in there so I can show the piece where I go with Ice Cube uh, to a chiropractor? Because I swear to God, that's a good piece. I wish I had gone to a chiropractor with Ice Cube, but I didn't. Uh, I'm just going to narrate. Now, you just removed uh, your sweater, and you did it in a way 
that guys who I were, really hoped you weren't noticing. Like I could feel sweat trickling down my back because it's quite hot in New York today and I wanna You just reached down and you whipped it off in this very smooth motion that I would not have been able to pull off, you yeah. know, uh, it's literally. The, it's, the, it's the move of a man who was constantly surprised whenever a woman was willing to have sex with him. So I just learned to like, <laughs> quick, before they, before they take their mind, get it all off. Come on. <laughs> you know, for the very same reason, I had all my clothes were Velcroed on. So in the 80s and uh, 90s, if a woman showed any interest at all in sex, uh, with one pull, my tuxedo would come completely off with a ripping sound. Yeah, and just you in the original mankini. Borat stole it from you. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. You know, I I was delighted to be able to talk to you because you have a book out. Everyone you hate is going to die, and that this I is. I wish I had had this book uh, years ago when my children were little, because I would have read it to them just before they went to bed. <laughs> and now for another chapter of Everyone You Hate Is Going to Die, and then turn off the lights and go night night. Yeah. Uh, but I think you, it's a positive message, you know. They it get is. To go, yeah. Well, you know, there's so much in here because my my favorite thing that I've ever done in comedy is whenever we've been able to travel and I get to do uh, foolish time wasting silliness in other countries. It's my absolute favorite thing to do, and I have not made my way to Scotland yet. I have a uh, caveat to that. I touched down in Scotland once briefly. My feet have we, touched Scottish soil. I, I know that. We have a plaque there now that says <laughs> once stood here. Yes. Uh, well, I, yeah. now, first of all, the fact that I put that plaque down and had it pre-made. <laughs> you just have those. You know what I do? You've got like 50 in your bag. I have a backpack. <laughs> I have a giant backpack and I carry tons of, of these bronze plaques that say Conan O'Brien stood here. And whenever I stand anywhere, and, and sometimes I... <laughs> There are hundreds of them at the local Whole Foods just because yeah. I go there once a weekend to buy melons. And so I just keep, people have said like one's in, I think enough. And I'm like, no, yeah. no, there should be one for each time. But um, <laughs> I'm fascinated with Scotland. Uh, my wife is uh, uh, mixed heritage and she has a lot of Scottish blood. And uh, I think she's the better for it. I am, as I've mentioned, 100% Irish, pure 103% yeah. Irish. Um, but- I'm fascinated by the 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 Scotch people and Scotland. You've done it. You, you've done Ireland, though, right? I've you've, been to yes. I've been to yeah. Ireland, and I know. I want to know. Explain Scotland to me first of all. If you're any indication, you people swear like crazy. You're very. <laughs> you're artists at swearing. Yeah, like it's well, it's just part of the language mainly. I mean, we you know we still get the occasional pearl clutcher in Edinburgh and stuff who gets offended by <laughs> swearing, but it's absolutely like I learned swear words from a young age, and um, the only reason they ever had power was because other people gave them power. Like we heard, right. I heard adults swearing, I heard teachers swearing. Like they tried to hide it from you. They weren't you know effing and jeffing in the classroom and stuff, but. I remember once when, uh, I think it was about eight or nine, I'd got in trouble because I think I'd said like fuck in the playground or something. And mm -hmm. then um, my mum had to come into school and they told her and I went home <laughs> and uh, my mum was like, you can't swear. And I said, why not? And she was like, well, um, uh, whew, uh, <laughs> because, and my dad was like, you can't tell him not to do something <laughs> if you can't justify it. Like, yes. he, 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 it has to be a lot. Wait a minute, like, you had a reasonable father? 
I did. A very reasonable And he applied logic to conversations with your mother. Yes. This is Uh more fascinating than Scotland. (laughs) Well, There's so much I need to learn from you. (laughs) They're outliers, aye. Yeah. Um, And he was like, if you can't explain to him why he's not allowed to say these things, then then you can't tell him not to say them. That doesn't make sense. And I remember my mum just being like, all right, okay, well, don't do it in school and don't do it in front of your grand because it upsets those people and I don't want to be in, I don't want to be seen as a bad parent. And I was like, oh, great. Well, I can, I can keep that end of the bargain. Well, you have a great joke in your book about how ubiquitous and common swearing is uh, in Scotland. And it's about when you go to buy a, uh, a computer uh, keyboard in Scotland. Yeah, there's no, there's no space bar. It's just the word fucking. Because <laughs> 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 right. that's, 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 that's the, like, from when I grew up, especially in Fife, like, that's, that's our version of um. Like, you go, what's his fucking, his fucking, fucking what's his face from fucking, you know, from, he was on Conan last week. The fucking, no, not the woman, the fucking bloke, the one with the fucking hair. Like, <laughs> My favorite jokes are visual. And, and have this visual truth to them. And so when I read that joke, I started laughing and then I was just picturing someone trying to write something very erudite on their computer keyboard in Scotland. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Which is, well, the male, of course, moth must reproduce because, and then they hit the fuck, fucking. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course everyone in Scotland reads it and they don't even notice. It just looks yeah. like a space to them. Yeah, well, I mean, I've got the the reason swearing works a lot uh, better in Scotland is because our vowels are short, like, yeah. and that's the key for swearing. Swearing should never dominate a sentence. It should always just oh. sort of people like like fuck shit cunt like that bastard bitch. You see how like that's very. Whereas yeah. when Americans swear, because you guys sing everything because you're you're happy, like when you swear, you say fuck. Bastard, motherfucker. (laughs) And you're like, like that's not how it's meant to be done. That's exactly how I say it. (laughs) You bastard. Bastard. (laughs) Um, Wow, you got me down. Uh, You know, you you also talk about the reason pot never never quite made it in Scotland as a drug. So popular here uh, and so popular in many parts of the world. But why did pot never quite make it in Scotland? I have no idea. Like originally I thought it was just down to, I thought it was like a sun-based thing. And I'm like, anything that requires sun to grow is just not good to grow in Scotland. <laughs> right, like, we, right. like we got over that, like sunflowers, we've seen pictures of them, but we've never seen a <laughs> real one, you know. Right. We, we have plants that grow in barns and uh, forests and rivers and whatnot. Um, but it's just not. It's not bleak enough. Like our, we we like beer, but we prefer whiskey. We like you know gin. We need stuff that makes us sad and dour. And heroin is is better for them. It's just a, <laughs> right. It's a more it's a more popular drug because. Do you start it, with the whiskey and then the heroin, or is it the heroin? Is the whiskey that depends shape? on the pub? Oh, I <laughs> see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get a whiskey and heroin over here. It's it's got like a train train spotting. I think yeah. was for Americans. I know for me anyway, we've been shown this picture of Scotland, which of course everyone is shown first the cliche, you know? Yeah. And I remember growing up just outside Boston, uh, practically in the city, but right there on this suburb uh, next to Boston. And, you know, we were always, there were these commercials for Irish Spring soap. And it was always people 
talking like this, and a little bit of a... And the, and the man would say, uh, he'd rub the Irish spring on his chest, the soap, and he'd go, ah, manly, yes. And then a beautiful woman would lean in and go, ah, but I like it too. And it was, it was all very beautiful and very sort of leprechaun-y and nice. Then... I got to know our, these neighbors moved in next door and they were old guys who were from Ireland, two twin brothers, the Murphys and their sister. And they moved in and these guys were in their, I want to say their sixties. And they were real people from real Ireland. And I remembered it would snow and I'd go out to the garage and we'd, one of our chores was to dig out the the snow so that the cars could get out. I'd be there digging the snow and one of the Murphy brothers would come up next to me and he'd be digging out his snow. And I'd say, oh, hello there, Mr. Murphy. And I was expecting him to go like, ah, well, it's nice to see you, young lad. But instead he'd go, you got a whole snow in your total and your hurt, but you're never gonna know it's gonna because it's all trying to, I couldn't understand a thing he was saying. And that's how Irish people really talk. They talk like pirates whose teeth have been broken in an automobile accident. That's how they really are. There's none of this bullshit. And I, no, that's, that's what I felt like uh, train spotting was the wake up call for the rest of the world that you don't understand Scotland. It's not what you think. Yeah, and and it's man. My one of the things I do really enjoy about coming to America is just hearing every American's impression of Scottish people because you know if everyone's got one and and none of them are good. No, no. <laughs> like it's all everything just starts off with like a, a they make sure they just get all the right amount of phlegm in their throat and then they're like <laughs> and I think you say oh hi the new and then heel and coo whiskey and you're like ah all right yeah sure that's why. Well, listen, I'm gonna break some news to. You, Daniel, we are not a country known for our sensitivity <laughs> towards other cultures. I know, but but I thought you'd like us because, like, I the number one thing I hear is people go, and especially in America, they're like, "Hey, my ancestors are Scottish." I'm like, "I know they are. You're white. That's yeah. how this country works. Like, if you are white and American, your ancestors are absolutely from where I'm from. Yeah, that's how this country is made. Yeah, it's yeah. England, Ireland, Scotland." That's why I'm always confused. I'm not a, um, uh, you know, on, on St. Patrick's Day, I hide because people, yeah. I'm known in this country. I stand out a little bit and people, I'm so Irish that people want me to be wearing a big button that says, kiss me, I'm Irish, Aaron Gobra, Ireland, yay, Ireland. And I don't feel it. I just feel like there's like, 40% of the country is of Irish descent, where yeah. it doesn't feel like anything exotic. Do you know what I mean? It just feels like there's a bunch of us. Yeah, well, Ireland's also not exotic. Like, nobody's, <laughs> I don't know when the last time you were there, but there's no point where you're like, oh, I like what they've done to the place. They've really changed it in the past 200 years. Like, still, yeah. it's been sad for a while, and I love Ireland, but they know what they are. <laughs> So no, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through Redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there, California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. 
I'm a California resident. So are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT. Now ADT professionally installs Google Nest products so your home is safe and smart. You can check in on your home and manage your security systems from virtually anywhere. Google Nest cams can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. You can know that there's a package out there. I know. And not a person. You don't have to that do helps. anything. Yeah, sometimes a person rings the doorbell and I think it's a package. Anyway, <laughs> and with Nest Aware as part of your monthly ADT service, you can get 30 days of event video history, even smarter notifications, like when a familiar or unfamiliar face is seen. Plus, when every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just a tap. Mm. I'm always setting off alarms accidentally. This is helpful for me. Oh, good. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, you got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are trademarks of Google LLC. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. This is unbelievable. I've been talking about this idea for years. I know. I want you to explain it more. I can. Okay. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required access from anywhere. I had this idea years ago. (laughs) I was telling people no one listened to me. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems. Remember when I said that? Yeah. Because you've got one unified, unified business, business management, management suite. suite. You yes. said that. Yeah. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math, man. Yeah. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Conan, netsuite.com slash Conan. I'm going to say it one more time just for emphasis, netsuite.com slash Conan. Yeah, I mean, I've been over to Ireland uh, countless times and I've noticed that, and, and maybe this is, there's a kinship with Scotland here and you can, I'll ask you, you can tell me, but- there's something going on in the overall UK, which I know is a, I'm painting with a broad brush here, but yeah. there's a maybe a cynicism, maybe even a healthy cynicism about things and kind of a, people aren't walking around saying, have a, you know, wonderful day. And, no, you know, it, it's, it's not that it's, and I wonder sometimes, is it because it's raining most of the time and we uh, had to heat our fires with peat, <laughs> peat moss, <laughs> yeah. you know? I mean, how much of it is just the climate? Is it because of the climate? 
I think it's the it's the, the yeah the climate's got a lot to do with it. Like I mean, it, it rains a lot in Scotland. I always get like Americans and Australians who are like, "Man, I think Scotland's beautiful, but I could never live there for the weather." And I'm like, "Man, you know we say the same thing about you, right?" Yeah. Like I couldn't live in California if I was constantly in that sun. I would just I would evaporate and die. Like you I'm know, miserable when I'm hot. I I have to say. I think I agree with you. And I'm, Sona, I've talked about this many times. Yeah. I don't belong here. I live, no. my career uh, took me to Southern California and I've been here now two different periods of my life. Once, uh, three different periods of my life, I've, I've lived in Los Angeles, whether it was working for The Simpsons or early in my comedy career, or then coming back here to do the, the Conan show for, for TBS. And I'm constantly, every cell in my body is saying, you don't belong here. And when, <laughs> it, isn't right. when it does rain here and get dark, last week it got dark and it rained. And I was the happiest I've been. I was <laughs> joyous. And everyone else doesn't understand. And I just was saying, no, every cell in my body is saying, yes, uh-huh. you yeah. ass. This is what you're, where you're supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be near the Mexican border. I'm just not. Yeah, it's that that weather you're talking about. The Scottish word for it is drink it, uh, and it's it's drink it weather. It's miser- It's like raining, but it's not thunderstorms. But there's just a constant presence of water in the air, and it's dark by you know four or five p.m. in the afternoon, and that's it. Like where you find your joy elsewhere. You don't get our joy from the weather. We get our joy from. You know, hating the English and <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about let's talk about that. You talk about that in your book, and I wanted to bring this up. You, um, I actually, I have your book right here because you see, I'm a guy that reads books. Yeah. Okay, this is a chapter, chapter five. Countries are people too, just bigger and even worse. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll just uh, there is. Um, of course, the first sentence is, I fucking hate England. <laughs> and then you go on and on and on. And then you go, but I fucking hate England, man, all caps. You're not yeah. kidding about this space bar. Uh, I'm Scottish. No matter how much I love parts of England, I fucking hate England. Nothing makes me happier than watching those tartan-dodging gammon shaggers get knocked out of another World Cup and crying because they expected too much. Again, inject those tears into my veins and I live to be 150 years old. (laughs) I may have written that chapter while drinking whiskey. I may have got a little bit of like national pride in me. Painted my face blue. <laughs> so it's funny because as a comedian, you love the audiences in England. Yeah, and man, and also most of my friends are English, and I love parts of the countries. That, I love so many things about England, but I hate England as a whole and what it is. Like you've got to remember, Scotland is is part of uh, the UK still, and we sort of just end up with whatever government the English vote for. And Scotland has never in its history voted for a, a conservative government, but mm-hmm. we've had one for 40 out of the last 50 years. Right. And it's and it's not our fault, and that's why we hate the English. And historically, you know, they're bastards. And uh, Originally, it was like very amicable, well, not very amicable, but I feel like a lot of the hatred of the English was like... Uh, mostly banter, like it was traditional. We hated them in sporting competitions. We were happy when they lost. But you'd always get on with any English person that you were near and and drinking with, and you'd go down there and enjoy their booze. Um, and then before the Scottish independence vote uh, about six or seven years ago, like in Scotland, we were told that if Scotland left the UK, it would automatically be kicked out of the EU. 
because the UK was part of the EU and that swung the vote for a lot of Scottish people because we like the EU because we're a small country that doesn't matter. And it was right, made for you us. benefit a great deal and you can yeah, yeah. travel freely throughout the rest of Europe. Yeah, whereas... <coughs> at, so Scotland voted no for independence, becoming the first country in the history of the world to vote no on it. And it was by a, about 4%, which, you know, isn't a lot. And then when Brexit happened... Two-thirds of Scotland voted no to Brexit because we didn't want it at all, because we like you. But again, it doesn't matter what Scotland wants. Whatever England wants, England gets, and it dragged us out. So we were told that we had to stay in the union to be, stay in the EU, and then they dragged us out. And now we're like, oh, well, now we actually hate you. Yeah. <laughs> like before it was just a bit of banner, but you've really screwed us on this They screwed one. you over. They screwed yeah. you over badly. How do the Scottish people feel about the Irish? We've got, there's an affinity there. The Scots and the Irish uh, and the Welsh all have this sort of, you know, we like to make fun of the bigger, stronger, older brother. And yes, yes. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Celtic heritage between uh, Scotland and Ireland. And, you know, we, we, we both like booze. We both, you know, have very interesting relationships with religion historically. Yes. What a nice way to put it. Let's talk about that. You are <laughs> you are not religious. No, I'm not. And and I want to touch on something briefly. You and I have uh, in addition to both stumbling into comedy and and having absolutely no melanin in our skin. <laughs> the other thing we have in common is which I find fascinating is that your mother is quite a well-known microbiologist. Yeah. As is uh my father. That's, oh, really? Yes, my father uh, Dr. Thomas uh, F. O'Brien has been working in microbiology since like the Eisenhower administration. He's been, he's been, uh, and, and preaching about antibiotic resistance. Um, my dad has been working hard on that and still is. And wow. I won't give away his age, but I'm 85. <laughs> and my father had me when he was 55. So, uh, and he's still going. Uh, he's just a torso now, but he is. <laughs> he, he's a torso with two fingers, but he's still clacking away. And um, when I read that in your book, I thought, wait a minute, that's crazy. We both have, and it's a very specific field, microbiology. So both of our parents, and my mom uh, is a very smart woman uh, who uh, was a lawyer. Uh, in Boston for many, many, many years. So I kind of feel like you and I both have, and you're, I know your dad's a, a super tech nerd. Yeah, yeah. So my my parents are very, very intelligent. But you also, man, you went to Harvard, right? Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. Well, I mean, I mean what <laughs> happens is, you know, it doesn't mean you're a moral person, certainly, because I think the people who invented uh, Agent Orange, they I think they invented it at Harvard. Um, and they got full I course. That, I just thought that was your nickname at Harvard. <laughs> <laughs> Here comes Agent Orange again. Yeah, and I was equally dis apparently uh, <laughs> people were as happy to see me as they were the real Agent Orange. Um, uh, but no, uh, no, I've met, I've said this many times, and I, I, I did go to Harvard, and 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 I was proud of a lot of things that I did there, and proud of a lot of the people that I met there, but. I tell people all the time, it's not Hogwarts. It's not this magical place. Um, I met all kinds of people. When I say all kinds of people, you go to any university or college and you're going to meet 
and I don't care what you're talking about, you could talk about MIT, you're gonna meet people that really disappoint you and people that really inspire you. And um, Yeah, but I feel like you, you, you had to be a certain level of intellectual to get into Harvard, whereas I- Oh yeah, you, I, I am, you've, you've yes. got two, I am yeah. a very, very brilliant man. <laughs> there we go. That's, that's, the the, that's the second reason I had you on the podcast and now we're out of time. <laughs> so let's summarize. Daniel Sloss owes his career to me <laughs> and um, I'm a very brilliant man. Yeah, very smart, brilliant man. And we're out. Uh, now it's time to do some commercials. Uh, no, well, but- I, you, 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 you've got smart parents. Because I, my, my parents were very smart, and I always like that was just an inspiration for me to like be smart. Because uh, I was like, that's what my parents both have degrees. They're both intelligent. Like I could, when I was young, I could ask them a question about anything, and they'd give me the answer. You know, my dad ruined the Loch Ness monster for me when I was eight years old because we drove past Loch Ness. And I was like, oh, maybe we'll see the monster. And he like pretty much pulled over the car and then just explained to me, like because of the volume of water in Loch Ness, uh, animal that size would have to eat this amount of fish. And there's just not that amount of fish in a <laughs> closed lake. And it would be impossible for like just eight years old. And just- then, Daniel, Daniel, and then did you bring up Santa Claus? Again, he, full halt. To deliver... Six toys to every child in the world in the span of 24 hours. It would, just, it would not be impossible. The statistical anomaly. Man, your dad just ripping through all. Okay, how about Tooth Fairy, Dad? You understand no. that to have cash on hand. Why does it need the teeth, Daniel? That's the question we should all be asking. What is this mystical creature that profits <laughs> off of teeth? What is it doing with the teeth? Why does it have human currency? Why does it know what we want? And why is it only the baby teeth, huh? They never want the adult teeth. Uh, that would be him, yeah. None of it makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and, and he doesn't point out the, the similarities to a serial killer. Collecting teeth is, I mean, really, we should all be looking for the tooth fairy. The tooth fairy, I'm sure, needs to be hunted down and immediately arrested and then detained like Hannibal Lecter. Because if if teeth collecting, strangers, the teeth of children... And yeah. you've got just giant mountains of it back home in your in your basement. Oh There's a it's a problem. That's yeah. a problem. And where do they where do they get the money from? They must be selling it. Like they're making a profit <laughs> off of the teeth. Right. If they're willing to hand out one bucks, two bucks, ten bucks, then I don't know how much the tooth fairy gives over here. Well, here on the west side of Los Angeles, it's seven hundred dollars <laughs> for each tooth. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you also get you you and you and you get a a, a Rolex watch. Uh, <laughs> Great. Uh, in, in addition. It, yeah, in Scotland, she just leaves the tooth there, and she's like, "Jesus, that is a that's a horrendous bit of chewing machinery." That <laughs> I can. You better put that back in. You better put that back in. No, you are not religious. You um, and you're not afraid to talk about some quite bleak things and and be yeah. quite honest about things. Uh, you know, um, you're you did a very well known. A special stand-up special called Jigsaw, and talking about uh, toxic relationships and a toxic relationship that you had, and you have verification through mm-hmm. people communicating with you that you've been the cause of 120,000 breakups just from people listening to you on Jigsaw. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, I think it's higher than that now. We stopped counting about uh, two years ago, but like I still get every show I do. 
I'll have at least three or four people afterwards being like, hey, I left my partner because of you. <laughs> and, uh, with, with a smile on their face. Like, they're very happy. It's never a... And what was thing. the... I know it's, it's very hard to boil it down, but what was the essence of your message to people that caused them to break up? Because we have a lot of people listening to this podcast, and if we can cause more breakups... I'll, I'll, now, I'll only grow I mean, more powerful. Yes, you'll grow more powerful. Um, it was essentially, there is this lie that I think society breeds into us that being in a relationship is better than being alone. Uh, and I disagree with that. I think being in a good relationship is better than being alone. But being alone is infinitely better than being in a bad relationship. Uh, and I think that's an important distinction. Like people are so desperate to be in a relationship because that's what we're meant to do yep. that they just go, I'll stay with this person who's shit and boring and mean and doesn't get on with any of my friends and doesn't really like me, but we're I'm going to stay there because I would much rather wake up with them than wake up alone. And I think that's an insane way to live your life. I agree with you completely. And... I have to go home and talk to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I think that would be one of the ones where I felt like real guilty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know what's interesting? I'm, I'll be very honest. Uh, and I think it's something you talk about very well uh, in your comedy. Um, one of your lines is, you are not responsible for the happiness of other human beings. You, you believe that. And I think your caveat is that, you know, you don't want to go around being needlessly cruel to people. But if your goal is to go out and try and make everyone happy, you're going to create a lot of misery in, in your own way. And by, especially in, in these relationships where there is a need to be selfish. <laughs> there, and I, yeah. I had to sound like Dr. Phil for a second, but you know, I, I made a conscious decision. I remembered very shortly before I met my wife saying, look, I remembered very clearly, I remember where I was. I remember thinking to myself and saying it almost out loud, I don't need to be with anybody and I don't want to rescue anybody. I don't want to, this myth of me coming in and saving someone from a miserable life. I want to meet someone who's equally happy to be with me as I am with them. And that was a huge change because I had, you know, it's just the way I was raised but I think I really did believe that it was my job to make other people happy. And I think yeah. that was also a big reason why I got into comedy and why I was so drawn to it. I love making people happy uh, and I have a little bit of an addiction to it. And Sony, you've probably seen it sometimes where I can't not, like if there's, if I'm doing a big show somewhere Yes. And there's a lot of people outside. Every single person. I need to get You'll to every talk single. To every single one. Yeah, and and I don't do that begrudgingly, and I think that's actually a good use of it because they're there, they waited, and I want to do that. But it can be very dangerous. I'm not in a relationship with those people. Yeah. I mean, I have mm -hmm. been sometimes, and it's really you know yeah. <laughs> uh, really caused trouble in my marriage. Um, totally, totally a lie. Please don't come after me. Um, but I, I do think that that is something that you bring up that I think is quite true when people act like, uh, another quote you have is never allow someone else to become your other half. Yeah. Because people I, talk about that all the time in relationships. Like this is my other half. I can't live without them. And I think you talk about this really well. I, I just think, I, I think it's, let's not deny that being in love is a brilliant thing. Finding someone who truly loves you for who you are is something that we all deserve and should strive to uh, find. But to build your personality and your persona around someone else, I just find it so 
it, it, insane. Like it's you are your own person. Like to get into the relationship, you had to have been something. That person fell in love with. Uh, your, your ideas with with who you are with and of course you grow and you change together and and it's important to be influenced by the person that you love because you've got a responsibility to the person that loves you to not make them love a piece of shit like you know if my, my fiance really really loves me and I, like I really try my hardest like the reason I'm a good person now isn't because I want to be a good person but it's because I don't want to make her look like a fucking idiot but she's not my other half like I would be very upset and broken without her for a period of of time and it would take me a long time to get over it but you know she, she wasn't my world beforehand she's my world uh, now I hope she will be forever I mean that's why you make that promise to each other but to get into a relationship where you cannot imagine uh, surviving without them I I, I don't know it's, it's just an ins- you live however many years of your life before you met this person right. and you were if you were happy in those years and that person you were they fell in love with don't lose it don't become this you know if you, I, don't, I don't know how common it is in America but do people have like joined Facebook accounts over here you know it's so like, funny I have Conoco yeah the, is has a Facebook presence. I myself am not on Facebook and it, I have never been on Facebook. I've never spent any time on a Facebook page and I know nothing about it. Because it so scares You're, you're not missing anything. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, it's, Facebook died really about six years ago. Twitter died about two years ago. I've managed to come off of both and uh, I definitely know less about the world but my God am I less sad. <laughs> Like I think, not, human beings were not designed for a constant stream of information. Oh no! Like if, this like is if the other thing. Anything in the past couple of years, it's that knowing everything that's going on all the time is absolutely detrimental to everyone's mental yes, health. Yes, yes, we are not. You know, they'll tell you, you turn on the news and you'll be reading about someone who did something, you know, put an animal into a microwave in, 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 in like a, some other part of the world and how they're under arrest now. And I'll think, why did I need to know this? Yeah. This, yeah. I find myself sad and the image of it horrifies me and I think about it a few times a day and I'm being bombarded constantly with, by the way, did you know in this part of the world you've never heard of, one person tore the jaw off another person and beat them to death in the street. Um, yeah. And... <laughs> And, and again, we were meant to live in, you know, we were meant to live in small villages, occasionally hear some bad news, occasionally hear some good news, um, live yeah, and die. I mean, that's why colonialism, you know, worked because there was no international news. Like all, all the Brits would be sat there and then the army would come back and they were like, hey, we found this new bit of land called India. And we were like, oh, was there anyone there? And they were like... No, it was completely empty. <laughs> but look, look at all the tea we found. And yeah. we're like, oh, what is this tea? And because there was no news to let us know the atrocities we were committing, we were like, oh, this is great. Right. We're right. just we're just a really good country that found tea somewhere. So this what we're excellent. deciding right now is that ignorance truly is bliss. A hundred percent. It's the best. I mean, it's not good for human progression <laughs> as a society. But you, you know, know, I was we, with you. I believe that we are getting bombarded with too much negative information, but when you compared it to best not to know that India is inhabited, I couldn't go with you. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> That's also where I would have jumped out on the bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where you have to go. Um, you know, I'm curious what you, well, first of all, you mentioned you have a fiance now. 
yes. which intrigues me because you've been so famously, uh, uh, you know, single. Um, and is this not true that you had a goal? Your goal once was to have sex with more than a hundred people. Was that your goal at one point in your life? Yeah, yeah, it was. And when you, I mean, when you say it now, and it sounds sad, and it was, but like that's mad. When I was young, like I had no idea. I had the same vow, but it was a very different number. Oh, a thousand, you dog. It was four. It was four people. And I was giving myself 65 years for four people. And I'm still cracking away at it. <laughs> well, that'll and you with your, love. You, you with your hundred people. Well, like I, I, I got into comedy at such a young age, and I was just trying to be a comedian. Like I, sure. I, you know, I, 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 I wasn't myself. I wasn't in my own voice. I was just, you know, doing an impression of a comedian for as long as possible. And just all the comedians that I met, like every single one of them, just had all these stories from going on the road and sure. sleeping around. And I was like, oh, that's what you do, and like that's how you become. Because I was never good with, like, I was largely ignored by girls and high school and, and, and primary school and stuff and I never had the confidence with it so I was like oh that's what you do you just do this and that'll build my confidence and then that'll make me an adult and it'll make me happy and I mean it I mean it did make me happy a bunch of times I'm not gonna say I regret the whole conquest I think it was a gross goal to have and retrospectively I can like I mean I shudder at the fact that I did genuinely think like oh this is cool and this is what I want to do right but but now you, you know. are uh, engaged. Mm -hmm. to be married, and yeah. um, I'm, this brings up all kinds of questions for me. First of all, Scottish wedding. Yes. What's, I, I, now, I was invited to a wedding, uh, a good friend of mine who I've known forever, Henry, who's regular listener, hey there, Henry. Um, Henry got married a number of years ago, I don't know, about 20 years ago, I'm gonna guess, or maybe less. Uh, but anyway, not the point, he had kind of a Scottish wedding, and because I was in the wedding party, I was told I needed to get a, t a kilt and the whole Excellent. outfit. And I wasn't looking forward to it. And so, and because my wife uh, is of, you know, Scotch, Welsh descent. Yeah, does she have her own tartan? Yes, they have a family tartan. <laughs> so okay. I went and I got a kilt made in my wife's family tartan um, and- do you know which one it is? I don't. They all look, okay. I gotta be honest with you, they all look the same to me. They all look like a sweater. Uh, it's. They all look <laughs> yeah. like that kilt, you know, check thing. Um, hash, you know, whatever, the, the lines going one way and the other, and it's. Plaid. Uh, plaid. Yeah. Oh my go. God. I didn't know the, the word lines, plaid. The lines going one way. <laughs> this is like the other on on the podcast a couple of months ago. I needed to describe a package, a, a FedEx. I was trying to describe a FedEx guy bringing a package, and I couldn't come up with the word package. And so I had the guy go, "Here's your," and I paused and I went, "Unit," because <laughs> I couldn't come up with the word package. And I just said that plaid is, what is it? I said it's lines, lines going one way and the other. I'm sorry. I can't breathe. I'm sorry, Sona. I'm having a complete collapse of oh my, my cerebellum. But, but anyway, I, I, I wasn't looking forward to it. And then the kilt showed up and it was the whole thing, the kilt yeah. and the socks and the dagger that you wear around um, like your calf muscle. Yeah, I had a, yeah. I, uh, what's that called? It's, oh God, I'm being, gonna be a terrible Scotsman here. Ski and do. Yeah, okay. 
A ski and do. A ski and do. And and the thing that goes around sort of your crotch that you can There's keep. the Spartan eye, the Spartan. Yeah, it's basically uh, a fanny pack that was invented 800 years ago. <laughs> yeah, they used to they used to put porridge in it because it kept your balls warm. That was the... <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, I put this thing on and I'm telling everyone who's listening, it was the most comfortable thing I've ever worn. Yep. And I looked fucking great. I yep. looked like a badass. I loved it. I wish I could wear that every day. And I loved having a knife, a dagger on my calf. I just loved yeah. it. And I was ready. I wanted someone to attack me at any moment so I could you, whip it out and get into it. Ready to defend the, the bridal party should, yeah. should it be required. So I, well, man, I, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. You can wear, I mean, Celts are also, I mean, they're Irish as well. Like, you know, you're not allowed to wear those to, to fancy occasions. I have to ask, did you, did you go true Scotsman? I did not. Oh, well, that's, I mean, that's allowed because you're not a true Scotsman. Well, so I, I didn't know. I also, I didn't even think about it. I just wore underwear because I, you know, there was a period of my time when I didn't and rode the subway and I was arrested. Oh. Um, <laughs> I did some things I shouldn't have done. It was a confusing part of my life. Yeah. Uh, and afterwards no. <laughs> put, a, put a sign down that says Conan once stood here. <laughs> I would bend over to, 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 to put a plaque down on the subway that said Conan stood here and my stuff would fall out and uh, I, was ta- I was tackled. This is all true. Okay, yeah. come on. It's all true. All true stories. Um, it sounds like a very short kilt. That you had yeah. on. I had a mini kilt. <laughs> yeah, he, I, was basically, he it as well. I was basically uh, dressed like uh, Serena Vanderwoodson on Gossip Girl. <laughs> wow, you remembered her name, but you couldn't remember Platt. I couldn't remember Platt, <laughs> but I just came up with Serena Vanderwoodson. <laughs> That's crazy, and I can't think of. I can't come up with. I can't come up with the word package, but I know Chuck Bass, also oh a Gossip God. Girl reference. This yep. is insanity. Wow. Okay. Um, oh, listen, my brain no. knows how to prioritize. Um, uh. But I'm very excited for you because uh, reading the book and knowing your journey, um, I think you're going to be. A very happy married fellow, and uh, where's the wedding going to be? It's going to be in in Scotland. Uh, Do you live Edinburgh. in Edinburgh? I know that's where the comedy festival is. Yeah, yeah. Oh I my live god! In Edinburgh. I've, you know what? I've never. I was thinking about going to that comedy festival just when COVID broke out. Yeah, I but mean, I've, you got to. It's gonna. It'll be back. Like the, it was on a little bit this year, but next year it'll be back in full swing, and then it'll. it'll I would recover. love to go there. You I gotta just, do it. Man. I would love it's, to go there and just. And I've heard it's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Yeah, it's it's an insane uh, thing to be part of. Like the the population of Edinburgh doubles for the month of August. Like there are literally, I think, six or seven hundred shows on a day, and like two or three hundred of them are comedy. It's from anywhere from seven in the morning until five in the morning the next day. The drinking laws change. You can drink publicly. Everything turns into a venue. Like it's, you know, uh, like tiny little cafes turn into 70 seaters. Like I've once seen a gig in just a janitor's closet and the venue capacity was two people, including the performer. And like oh, wow. that was a show. Uh, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of shit on, but like that's the yes. fun. Yeah, it's like, like it's, it's like, it's like uh, anything else. It's like streaming television or the internet. There's tons of crap and then it's just yeah. absolutely amazing stuff. It's volume. Whenever you get volume, yeah, there's going to be gonna tons be, of crap. 
yeah, lots of little little flakes of shite. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's such a good experience. Like I mean, I'm a huge fan of all the the, the Conan Without Borders stuff, but I've always just been trying to push. You know, the idea that you should definitely go and do it. In, oh, you in, know what I would do? I would, uh, and it would be fun. I would love to go do a travel show to Scotland, and I would love it if I got you involved, because I think we could have a lot of, that would be a really fun uh, show to do. You could show me around. We um, stay at the same Airbnbs, share a bed, <laughs> like a real in the Highlands. And I was going to start bed. with share a bed. And then, oh, uh, yeah, oh. yeah. But I'll be wearing then, nine pairs of underwear. Yeah. Yeah. Put a, put, and put one of the put one of the plaques on my back. This Conan one stood here. Cons- <laughs> uh, Daniel, it has been an absolute joy talking to you. Uh, you are, I mean, it's in your blood. You're just a you're just such a funny, great, smart, intricate person to talk to. So today, I was just overjoyed to get to speak to you, and I'm so happy for oh. all of your success. I really am. Thank um, you very much, man. And it's all, man, it's always a, a, a beyond a joy to get to do this. It blows my mind and, uh, and, and that I get to, so thank you. Well, no, of course. And everyone you hate is going to die is uh, really a very funny book, but it's also um, got a lot of truth in it and a lot of intelligence and it's all ladled in your terrific wit. And so I recommend this book. I recommend Daniel Sloss. If you have not watched uh, his specials, Jigsaw, Dark, you've got, and you have a, a new one. Uh, I'm on tour with uh, Hubris at the moment. Uh, Hubris. Yeah. Have you found that Americans, because uh, you're you're so well known uh, in so many parts of the world, are Americans uh, receptive uh, to you? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I love, love gigging in the States. And it was always such a... Um, huge deal for me to whenever I got to perform over here at all like I remember first time I performed at the Denver uh, Comedy Works being like oh my god like I'm a, like a, I'm a real comedian now like right. I'm in America right. doing comedy in the capital of comedy which is all of the states like we can make like the stereotypical jokes that like all Americans are stupid blah 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 but comedically I think you're the some of the most intelligent audiences in the world comedically because comedy it, even if it wasn't started here, it was perfected here. Like it's wow. you've, there's been such a long history of uh, stand up over the years. When we think of all the greats, eighty uh, percent of them are, are Americans, uh, and you're such a comedy savvy and literate audience that coming out here to get to perform is such an exciting thing. Because I mean, so few British comics have have uh, been given, you know, the chance to like get to perform out here to to do it and to there's so much energy in the rooms. Americans, because you're so confident. Maybe a little overconfident at times. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but yeah, yeah, but the confidence, uh, you're the only audience in the world that can laugh as individuals. Right. Uh, That's interesting. It doesn't happen anywhere else. Like in the UK, in Australia, in Europe, people laugh as a collective because I don't want to laugh at something fucked up if the person besides me not laughing because then everyone will know I'm laughing at the fucked up thing. That level of scrutiny and fear doesn't exist. I've been at gigs in America where there's a comedian on stage and and there's 400 people in the crowd and only three people are enjoying him. But those three people are enjoying the fuck out of him. Yeah. And they're proud. They don't care what anyone else in the room thinks. They're like, I like this and I trust me. So I'm going to enjoy this wholeheartedly. It's beautiful so to do- see that. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I love seeing 
Uh, I mean, obviously, we both know there are a lot of comedians. Um, it's easy because everybody instinctively wants success. It's in our evolutionary makeup. We want to succeed. We want to do well. And then all the small compromises that you may need to make as a comedian in order to regularly get laughs. And then the next thing you know, you're not who you wanted to be. And so mm. when, when people have that discipline to say, this is who I am, this is what I want to do, uh, it's a beautiful thing to see. And Daniel, you, uh, you've done that countless uh, times. You are just a, a really original voice. And again, lovely to talk to you again Really looking forward to getting invited to the wedding, um, yes. <laughs> and 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 flown out at your at your cost, not mine. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, really, congratulations uh, on everything, and everyone you hate is going to die. Uh, check out this book; it's really fun. Thanks very much, man. I gotta say, everywhere I go, people are talking about Monopoly Go. And oh. for good reason. It's an absolute hit. Yeah. I love Monopoly. People love Monopoly. And look, Monopoly's been around for a very long time. It's one of the oldest board games ever. Okay? Okay. But lately I walk around and I just hear like, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go, Monopoly Go. And I'm like, hey, what's going on? What are you guys talking about? And they say, we're playing Monopoly Go. You can play it with your family, your friends. It's a straight delight. There's always something new to do. Partner events where you can build on each other's boards and Crazy tournaments with team events you can recruit your friends for. Or you can just compete to outdo them all on the leaderboards. Mm. And when you're not messing with your family and friends, Monopoly Go is always throwing new stuff at you. They have taken Monopoly to the next level. I didn't think Monopoly had to go to the next level, but they did. <laughs> There's timed events like massive multipliers for all your winnings and challenges like treasure hunts and, or money sprees that have fun new mini games. Plus, with tons of rewards to collect, like stickers for trading with friends and hilarious emojis that are perfect for gloating, there's always a reason to dip back in. Yeah. Man, they cracked it, you know? They did. So join the fun. Download Monopoly Go now free on the App Store and Google Play. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah. And we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up. And I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan.
All right, uh, I just need to comment on something. <laughs> this was not planned, but both the people with me today, Sona Mosesian. Hi, Sona. Hi. Yeah, is, uh, and, and uh, Sona's assistant, David Hopping, mm-hmm. are chomping like mad on, um, what, are, what are you eating? I'm eating a bar. A, a bar. granola bar. A granola <clears throat> bar. Yeah. Okay, what kind of, is it a healthy bar? Yeah. Um, Where'd you it get healthy? it? I don't know. I got it from uh, in here at Earwolf. I always. Um, yeah, but those bars have not been restocked. This place has been <laughs> shuttered. This place has been shuttered since COVID. This is like we broke into an Arctic tent that was left behind by Shackleton <laughs> in like 1911. And we found some food and you immediately started chomping on it. Yeah. Those bars are at least two to three years old. They might be. You're You're right. I yeah. they expire. Right. Yeah. Is there an expiration date? No. Maybe we don't want to know. I don't know. But it's it's, it's good. It's vegan. It says, vote for George W. Bush on the front. <laughs> I don't know when they started putting that on. But that's an old bar. And why are you, what are you eating? I just brought one from home. Uh, what? Let me see that. Is that even healthy? It's not. This is just a chocolate bar that they said is a health bar, but it's yeah, not. it's really good. This yeah. is how unprofessional both of you are. You both <laughs> broke out uh, bars that are wrapped in paper. And started chomping away yeah. like mm-hmm. mules on an apple, and uh, we were going to record. It is, it is a loud. It is a loud snack. It's like when you're in a theater and you're like, uh, you know. There's a lot of this. Come on. No, this is what you were doing when we were trying to record. We both did scoop back a little bit from the mic. So you could was- still. These are sensitive mics. You can hear that. Mm-hmm. We were hungry, and then you're like, mm. <laughs> you have no work ethic. That's unbelievable. Come on. You're just figuring that out now? <laughs> and you hired me. Sona trained me. Oh, yeah. Sona trained you. Oh, I love yeah. that Sona trained you. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I trained him. Yeah. What do you mean? What, she didn't, what did she tell you? Well, when you start podcasting, always make sure you find the loudest bar. <laughs> my food bag. Kashi makes a bar that has extra crunch, crackle, crinkle, crunkle. I like eating, and I eat a lot. And, um, you know, we've been here, we've been recording, and there's just, you know, nothing else to eat. So I ate this. I eat before the podcast. Uh. Um, I try to make sure I'm responsible that way so that I'm not, you know. But I guess you guys have inspired me for our next session. I'm going to buy one of those really big uh, candied Virginia hams that you get through the mail. Hmm. And I'm going to have it hanging on a rope right above, right where my microphone is. And I'm going to be gnawing on it. (laughs) Just gnawing on it. And saying, oh, next next guest today. Oh, got a clove. Hold on a second. Oh, man. Got a clove out. Here we go. Our next guest today. And then we get into it. You know, I'm not going to do that. If you wanted to eat a ham... I would let you eat a ham. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say anything about it. And I think that, you know, we're hungry and you're making fun of us for eating. I think you just, you And know. if you get a whole ham, then you can share with us. And that you don't nice. want to, no one wants to eat a ha- share a ham with me. Okay. Dangle it. Have you watched me eat with, with my family around? No, but I've seen you eat lunch and it's like your family is hovering around you. Yes. And I do that thing that, and someone pointed it out to me once. They say that prisoners do this. People that have been in penitentiaries, uh-huh. they make a barrier with their arms around their food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I do that because of the way 
we would all sit around, Neil, Luke, Kate, Jane, Justin, my grandmother was there, my father was there. My mom would just toss a ham into the center of the ring. <laughs> you, see, you ever seen the scene where they lower like the sheep into in Jurassic Park yes. into the pit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, and then they make haul it up again and the sheep's no longer there. There's just the 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 leather straps and some blood. Yeah. That's what would happen. My mom would throw a ham into the center of the room. Wow. Sounds rough. What if you took it out of the wrapper before you entered the studio? What about that? Well, I still have to chew it. Yeah, but at least we get rid of the the wrapper sound. Okay, hold on. Okay. Now it looks like you have chewing tobacco. I know. You look like you play in Major League Baseball. It's so sticky, too. I hate being the loud person. I mean, one time- Well, excuse me, you hate being the loud person? <laughs> Come on. Wow, I know you I hate being the loud person. I meant wow. like, with rappers- That's like Stalin saying, I don't want to be the bully. You know, it's insane. Yeah, it's exactly the same It is exactly Stalin the same. saying that. Well, he was a world-famous bully, uh, and you, uh, you know, a, a tyrannical dictator, and you are the loudest person I've ever met. That's not true. Loud, very that loud. That can't be true. Very true. You No, I know that's not true because you have a friend, Eric, who's louder than I am. And so you're wrong. That's point one. I win that one. No. Congratulations My to My friend me. Eric is not as loud as you. Yes, he is. He can speak loudly at times, but he is not nearly as loud as you. Often, I'm talking to you and I think we're on the phone and I can just hear you <laughs> from your home that's 40 miles from where I live. <laughs> Wait, so we're not on the phone? We're not on the phone. I go, I hear Conan, and I go, oh, hey, what's up, Sona? And where do you live? What's the neighborhood? It's not even in L.A. Altadena. It It is in Los Angeles. Mm, Not really. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) you are so far away, you have to change your currency before you hit her neighborhood. Anywho, um, bring your passport. (laughs) Um, It's right right north of Pasadena. It's very far. It's very, very far. It is not far at all. I think it, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, stop crinkling for no reason. I know. You're done with that. I, it bothered me because it was all wrinkled up. Okay, now it's here. Oh, good. Yeah, now the package is That's unwrinkled. Nice. That's terrific. <laughs> Any hoots, there are many times where you and I are chatting, and then I realize I'm not even on the phone. I can hear you all the way from Altadena. Well, I don't- uh, That's exaggeration, that right? is, Yeah, a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Exaggeration is a form of comedy. <clears throat> um, anyway, so what I'm saying is I don't like being- in a quiet environment, I don't like the one who's like crinkling and stuff. Like if I'm at a play or a movie. Or maybe taping a podcast. Or taping a, I don't, yeah. Well, I don't mind it so much here. Why don't you come in with those little plastic wrapping bubbles that pop next time and just pop those while we're trying to talk. Yeah, okay. I'll do it. Now, is that real or sarcastic? Will it bother you? If it'll bother you, probably I'll do it. Was that sarcastic or real? Yeah, I'll do it. No, it was a sarcastic voice. Oh my God. Incredible, your whole generation <laughs> confounds me, confounds me. All right, it's well. A great uh, generation. Listen, we please, let's have that. a new rule. Let's at least institute a rule. Matt Gorley is gone. Of course, he's on maternity leave now. Because everybody maternity. wants to have a baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think we should institute a rule. No food in the podcast studio. This is a sacred space uh, where we do sacred work. And I think we should respect that. And I think you should leave your chewy dips and your Chaco health sea salt bars. Mm. You should leave them out of here. And if you need a break and you want to go and uh, and have a snack outside the studio, you're fired. Oh. oh. It's that simple. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. Yeah. No, you never do. 
Yeah, but you fake fired us like every day, so I wouldn't believe it. Well, half the time it's been real. You guys just don't pay attention. Mm. We still get paid, so. I know. That's the part I haven't quite figured out. I'm constantly firing people, and then I continue to pay them. All right. Well, anyway, new rule. Do we all agree? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Unbelievable. Whatever you say, boss. Incredible. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sonam Obsessian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Will Beckton. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This episode was produced and edited by me, Brett Morris. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Spectrum One is a big deal. You get Spectrum Internet with the most reliable internet speeds, free advanced Wi-Fi for enhanced security and privacy, and a free Spectrum Mobile Unlimited line with nationwide 5G included, all while saving big. For the big speed, big reliability, and big savings you want, get Spectrum One. Just $49.99 a month for 12 months. Visit spectrum.com slash big deal for full details. Offer subject to change. Valid for qualified residential customers only. Service not available in all areas. Restrictions apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.